the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, October 30th. It really is the home stretch of this 2020 season, one of our three final championship weekends of the year now upon us. Of course, it should be a really fun one as we've got action in Vienna, in Nur Sultan, and littered across the Challenger and ITF worlds as well. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to set the scene for this weekend's action. want to talk about Thursday's round of 16 battles, how we got to this quarterfinal stage in Vienna, in Nur Sultan, break that down in depth, give you guys a little bit of an update about the race to the year-end finals in London as well. Only, I think, about 10 players still available or still uh, eligible, I should say, still possible for them to qualify for that event. Of course, some of them have already pulled out of that final tournament, that Masters event in Paris, which, as we talked about earlier, is now going to happen without fans. It's going to happen behind closed doors. Fortunate to be playing that event at all, given the lockdown currently going on in France. But, uh, of course, with that tournament on the horizon, and, you know, a couple of scenarios left. It's really come down to, I would say, three players. There'd have to be some miracle runs, some things that go really, really wrong for a couple of guys as well for there to be a big shakeup. But we'll talk about that at the end a little bit. Of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out, because of the support we get not only from you phenomenal listeners, not only from our incredible Crack Rackets Patreon family, but of course, from our friends over at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. You guys know the deal. Look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports, Aero Bar, Cracked Rackets. I'll keep it simple today. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15. Go to AeroBar.com, use the promo code Cracked15. You'll get 15% off your orders. Let them know that we sent you there. And again, we are so grateful for their continued support. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. MidwestSports.com, the promo code is CR15. AeroBar.com, the promo code is Cracked15. All right, with that in mind, let's kick things off by talking about the action we saw in Vienna because you know, I continue to be, and it's just a little thing, it's an eye test thing, and obviously he's a former world number three, he's reached the semifinals at three out of the four majors in his career, he's a former year-end champion, I don't think any of us are going to be surprised when I say Grigor Dimitrov, obviously a phenomenal career, a phenomenal player. Uh, But of course, for Grigor Dimitrov, he was burdened with such high expectations in his career early on because of the way he plays, you know, the the, uh, pronouncement of calling him baby fed, right? He was given that nickname and that was always unfair to him. And he really has had a fantastic career, right? You ask any player who wants to go pro or who has pro aspirations, hey, you can lock in Grigor Dimitrov's career right now, you say yes, and you don't even care about the rest of it. But he has looked particularly good, uh, in my opinion, over these past few weeks. And, you know, it's worth noting, of course, he struggled so much uh, towards the back half of 2018 throughout the beginning, the first really two-thirds of 2019 before going on that semifinal run at the U.S. Open, beating Roger Federer to get there as well. And, you know, he was a guy who unfortunately uh, came down with COVID early on in the pandemic and all of us still, it's on, it's so unclear, right, what the long-term effects are, how long it takes for an athlete to get over the, uh, that illness, to get back into top form, but it's quite clear he is very 
very fit right now, and he's playing some of his best tennis, earning another fantastic win yesterday over Stefano Tsitsipas, 6-7, 6-4, 6-3. Of course, most notably, Dimitrov up 5-2 in that first set breaker on Tsitsipas, and then things just went a little bit awry for him. He misses an easy—well, I don't want to say it's an easy, but he had an inside-in plus-one forehand on the ad side of the court, and he really went for some—you know, it's a tough shot. It's a low—you know, or a— a high-risk, low-margin shot, and, you know, he ended up overcooking it a little bit long. Then he misses another forehand plus-one ball long on the 5-6.2 give Tsitsipas the set, but, I mean, this was indoor tennis at its finest. Both of these players not broken really through the first, I think it's, what, 12 plus 8, so I guess first 20 games of this match, and then finally Dimitrov able to get the one break of uh, the second set. In fact, in this match, there was only two breaks of serve. Tsitsipas gets broken in the second and third. He saves five of the seven break points he faced only earned two break chances on Grigor Dimitrov's game and again so much of that has to do with Dimitrov's just playing confidently he's going after his plus one shots he's leveraging his athleticism his quickness his length to cut balls off early to take them down the line to move forward and you know, in this match, he also hit a couple of phenomenal on-the-run backhand passing shots. Just brilliant stuff from Grigor. And, you know, it, there's a credit to Tsitsipas. I think it was 4-5 in the tiebreaker in the first set. He challenges the Dimitrov backhand because, of course, that's what you have to do. And then he's able to stick this low cross-court forehand volley that was simply stunning. And I really did think Tsitsipas played a good match in this one. But the biggest difference, you know, Tsitsipas, 18 of 37, 49% on his second serve. Dimitrov 15 of 26, 58% on his second serve. I just, you know, Dimitrov was able to take control of the points when Tsitsipas was forced to hit a second serve. And again, in a match that featured only two breaks, if you get broken twice in a match, usually that's good enough to get the job done. And it's not as though Tsitsipas played poorly, right? He made 60% of his first serves, won 79% of those points. Dimitrov was just that good in this and. Excuse me, that's why, you know, he really just was that good in this one, and that's why I wanted to start out talking about this match, because Grigor Dimitrov is only 29 years old, and what we've learned over these past 10 years of tennis is 29 is really the new 26, I would say. It's not that 29 is 24, right? None of us are saying he's got 10 years of prime tennis left, but he certainly got three maybe three seasons of being able to stay at this level physically before, of course, Mother Nature starts to do her job. And I just, I really like the way he's playing. You can see in the confidence, and of course, it's an indoor hard court, which in my opinion, suits his game better than any other surface. But I mean, it's the combination of his quickness, his willingness, and his ability to attack. And then, you know, again, he become with every match, it seems like he's gotten a little, you know, incrementally better on that backhand return, and he's become that much more disciplined on that side, not just playing slice, but playing cross-court with that ball, uh, you know, hitting through the ball or going down the line, taking his chances. Of course, his game is quite reliant on confidence, as we learned, but he is awfully confident, and he is one of those players, probably has to win Vienna, then win win Paris back-to-back, and even if he does, that still needs a couple of other things to go his way to qualify for the year-end finals, but I would have no qualms if that eighth spot goes to Grigor Dimitrov. I think the seventh spot's gotta go to Andre Rublev, who, by the way, yesterday just, you know, unfortunately, Yannick Sinner dealing with a foot injury, 2-1 retirement, uh, Rublev moves on, we didn't get to see that match, but no, I mean, 
Look, Grigor Dimitrov, I think the way he's played down the home stretch, in particular these last few events, and I t- I've talked about it enough, I really like the way he played against Demon Hour last week in Antwerp, despite it being a loss. And then here, really good win over Stefano Tsitsipas. He's got a matchup with Dan Evans today. He should win that one, and I would really love to see a non-letdown, right? I would love to see Dimitrov advance to the semifinals of this tournament, because I do think he's been one of the four players who have looked the best according to the eye test, but of course, that was probably my favorite match of the day. Another funky three-setter we had in Vienna. Daniil Medvedev plays uh, Vashik Pospisil, drops that first set, and I believe was down early as well to, uh, to Pospisil, excuse me, in the second, and then managed to find his rhythm, managed to find a couple of a turn, returns, managed to thread the needle of on a couple of passing shots, and then, of course, ultimately was just able to make the match physical as he takes a 4-6-6-3-6-2 victory over Pospisil for Medvedev in this match, the things that stand out. You know, he won 80% of his first serve points, made 62% of those first serves. He is six foot six, right, and on an indoor hard court. He can slap first serves, play that sort of tennis with the best of them. But, you know, for him, it was, it was just his game is so reliant on such thin margins, right? It's like he's got to make the -the on-the-run passing shot to win the point, and that's the shot he wants to hit, but he's got to make it, and you're just not giving yourself big margins when you're playing such defensive tennis. Of course, some of that has to do with Vashik Pospisil just taking it to him, taking a big rip whenever he got a clean look at a ball down the line, big cross court, following it in, taking time away, putting pressure on Daniil Medvedev, putting Daniil Medvedev on his back foot. Uh, But this was a really good result for Vash... uh, for Daniil Medvedev, who again, you know, only loses 10 points on his first serve, is over 50% on the second serve, saves five of the six break points he faced. Uh, for Pospisil, the problem was, you know, 14 of 37 on the second serve points. Of course, sometimes that's going to be the difference. And so on today's, it was uh, Medvedev advances to the quarterfinals, where of course, uh, he now has another big surfer in Kevin Anderson. We'll see how if, you know, getting in the rhythm against Pospisil, we'll see how that helps him against, uh, against, excuse me, Anderson tomorrow. Uh, The other results on the day, not that they were bad, but, you know, straight set performance for Dominic Team 3-2 and just kind of worked Christian Guerin. Expected that match to be closer than it was, but credit to team. And again, I guess DraftKings was right. That's why it was lopsided odds. Team, a comfortable 3-2 and two win. He'll take on Rublev tomorrow. Uh, the other two winners, Dan Evans, seven five six three. Thought it was a really good win for him over the lefty Yuri Rodionov. Rodionov made things difficult, right? He took his chances. He went after that backhand slice, but... Dan Evans was able to get Rodionov on his back feet, uh, back foot, excuse me. He was able to use his variety to keep the ball low, to force the slice to just, or excuse me, to uh, get the ball out of Rodionov's strike zone with his slice. It's just Dan Evans is clearly playing confidently, and on an indoor hard court, he can hang with anyone. And if you're not, you know, in the top 30, you don't bring your best performance, he's going to beat you. And that's exactly what happened. Five and three victory for him. And then finally, Lorenzo Sinego, 7 6 7 6, over Hubi Hercots. You look in this match. I mean, look, six and six by every definition of the word. There was one break in each, uh, there's one break in each set. It was uh, obviously they traded breaks. I believe that happened in the first set. But other than that, big serving on the day for Hercots wins 79% of the first serve points. Sinego wins 86% of his first serve points. This match looked and was exactly like the scoreline reflected. And what you hate for Hoopy Hercots, this year has kind of been a 
you know, a one step forward, two steps back for sort of season. Anytime he puts together a really nice win, a nice stretch of play, it's followed by a run of inconsistency. And I'm not saying Sinego, you know, six foot five, six foot six, indoor hardcore, big serving, that's always a tough match. But, you know, for uh for Hercots, that's gotta be a match he wins if he is going to hit the ceiling that I think, or at least he we here at Crack Rackets, I should say, think he is capable of hitting. But should be a really fun day of quarterfinal matches in Vienna. Again, Anderson taking on Medvedev, Rublev versus team, Djokovic versus Sinego, Dimitrov versus Dan Evans. Going to be a lot of fun tennis, and of course, we will talk about it all tomorrow as well, as we're going to be going on the weekends. Why wouldn't we down the home stretch here of this season? Let's move now to Nur Sultan. Of course, the ATP 250 going on there. You look in Nur Sultan, uh, you know, number one, if I told you, again, we talked about it going into the day, uh, Benoit Paire was the number one seed, but he was an underdog in his match against Mikhail Kukushkin. I believe he was up a set and a break on Kukushkin, but I don't think it's going to surprise anyone to learn Kukushkin takes the match 6-7-7-6-6-1. Subsequently, Benoit Paire announcing that will be the last match of his season. I think it's safe to say he's ready to move on to 2021, but good result for Kukushkin, who obviously gets to play a 250 event in his home country. can only imagine what that means to any player. Uh, it's the same way Isner's relationship with Atlanta, right? It's the same way so many of these players, when they, you know, anytime you see Dimitrov playing in Bulgaria, anytime team in Vienna, they love playing in front of their home crowds, and obviously different circumstances than usual, but it's always going to give you a little extra boost when you get to do it on your home soil. So great Great win for Kakushkin. Two other three-set matches on the day. Mackie McDonald, he looks healthy, folks, and that's such great news because such an you know he's such a dynamic athlete, such a fluid and incredible shot maker. And when he's healthy, he's capable certainly of getting back towards that top fifty. And you know between him, Tiafo, Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka, Taylor Fritz, that's five Americans who could very well be inside the top fifty and higher for the next five years. You know until up until their thirties, and who knows even after that. It's a fun time to be an American tennis fan. You've got Korda, you've got Nakashima. Uh, you know, it's been a nice reminder, I suppose, here down the home stretch how many talented young Americans there are. Of course, you look here for uh, Mackie McDonald now, the 3 6 6 3 6 3 victory over Andreas Seppi to advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, he, I believe, tomorrow takes on Adrian Manorino, a 1 and 1 victory over Yuki Sagita, or today, excuse me, not tomorrow. And then Emil Rusevori continues his impressive form. And, you know, he was a favorite against Jordan Thompson going into yesterday's match, and that surprised our very own Jamie McDonald, but Rusevori's been so good on the hard courts, and we all remember what he did at the U.S. Open. I want to say third round there as well. Uh, Not surprised me. Thompson just did, you know, Rusevori had the bigger weapons on the day, and thus he was able to advance to the quarterfinals where now he, I believe, who does Rusevori play today? He will play Mikhail Kukushkin to advance to look to advance to his first ATP 250 semifinal. Uh, after that, Manor, uh, again, it's going to be that those two facing off: Manorino versus McDonald, Milman versus Tommy Paul. That's going to be really fun. And Tiafo taking on Gerasimov. So should be good action at the 250 in Kazakhstan. Of course, again, we will talk about uh, all of that play this weekend uh, on our weekend mini break podcast. 
quick update on the challengers as well. We've got two going on this week, one in Spain, the other happening in Hamburg. As of now, uh, you know, you look at the winners yesterday. Daniel Galan continues his really good form on the clay. He knocks off Gianluca Majer in three sets. Halmi Munar continues to roll at the challenger level. One in three win for him over Giustino. Vit Kobreva, uh, a three-set win over Federico Gayo, and then Carlos Taberner, same deal, three-set win over Jay Clark. Of course, that's great news for us here as we had a Munar to Burner parlay that ended up hitting on Thursday. So, you know, always a good thing when you can take advantage of the challenger action. That really is where the value is because if you've been watching Howie Munar of late, if you've been watching Carlos Taberner of late, those have been two of the best guys on the clay, on the challenger level. They just, you know, they, they sorry for this turn of phrase, they poop out quarterfinals like it's a routine. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to get to the quarterfinals this week. Don't worry about it. They both do so. Munar now going to take on Cabriva. Taberner going to take on Galan. That's a really fun match. Of course, we, or we also have Pedro Martinez taking on former Ohio Ohio State Buckeye, Blas Rola, Alexandre Muller take it on Carlos Gamino Valero as well. So should be a fun weekend of semifinal action in Spain, in Hamburg uh, at the round of 16. We uh, It was a, you know, speaking of, I suppose, another college Buckeye, unfortunately for the Buckeye fans, J.J. Wolf drops his match 6-4 and four to talented young Russian Roman Sefillian, who I continue to say, if healthy, I still really, really like his game. I see a world where he gets into the top 100, maybe even a little bit further. Sophilian, a 6-4 and four victory over Wolf to advance to the quarterfinals. Also saw victories from Steve over Ota, Van de Sanschlup over Marchenko, and I will just continue to remind all of you that today's quarterfinal matches, Daniel versus Laxanen, Van de Sanschlup versus Steve, Matrizak versus Milovic, uh, Ofner versus Sophilian. All of those can be watched wherever you are on livestream.com slash ATP. Support tennis at all levels, folks. It means more now, of course, than ever before, and uh, it's really good tennis. So, again, you're wondering, how do I watch tennis from start to finish, sunrise to sunset? That's how you do it, folks. You watch it across multiple levels. It just It's such a delightful sport, and I promise you, you're going to see the level at these challenger events. You're going to be like, oh, damn, I didn't realize how good these guys are. They really are that good. That's why it's not surprising when a guy comes down, you know, a, uh, oh my god, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name already. Who was the Belgian guy in Antwerp? Jeez, I can't believe I'm already blanking on his name. This is what happens, folks. It turned 25, you lose it already, but of course I am referring last week to watching Zizou Bergs uh, in Antwerp come, he's what, 400 in the world, uh, outside the top 400, and he obviously played uh, a really good match uh, in Antwerp, so you can see those sorts of players, the Zizou Bergs of the world, day in, day out on the Challenger Tour. Be sure to go support them. Uh, last but not least, again, just a quick update where we are on on the race to these year-end finals. The first six spots already clinched. They go to Djokovic, Nadal, Team, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and Zverev, Andre Rublev in a commanding position. It's really going to take some funky stuff having to happen for him not to earn that seventh spot, but then in the eighth spot, really comes down to a couple couple of guys. So Schwartzman right now in the pole position, he's got a healthy lead over Matteo Berrettini, who's got to go on a nice run in Paris to qualify for his second straight year and finals. 
you know, Monfils, Shapovalov, RBA, I believe Gofen as well, or maybe not Gofen, but RBA all pulled out of Paris already, as did Fabio Fodnini. But you've got guys like Pablo Carreno Busta, Grigor Dimitrov, Karen Hatchinov, Stan in FAA. If they win in Paris and the other players who they need to not win don't do well, they lose early in the event, then they can earn the eighth spot. But it really is looking like it's going to be Rublev and Schwartzman to round out the field. And again, I don't think any of us, I, I tweeted it out uh, on Friday. I don't, I would name Andre Rublev my player of the year during this 2020 season. I know he didn't win uh, at any of the majors, but what was it? Fourth round Australia, quarterfinals US Open, quarterfinals French Open. It was a really good performance from him from start to finish and obviously he's going to end up right around if not at the wins leader at the end of this season you know if not number one number two probably to Djokovic he's been outstanding and so him at seven makes a ton of sense and then Schwartzman just earned enough points down the home stretch he's been really good on the clay made that final in Cologne if he does his job in Paris he will have earned it here again over these 12 weeks of the 2020 restart but regardless it should be a really fun event and of course we look forward to covering that in a couple of weeks next week we've got the action in Paris a couple of challengers and then ITF events as well we will be discussing but of course if you have missed any of the action you want to follow the biggest storylines results and controversies across the tennis world be sure to go check out our website crackrackets.com we had a ton of fun this week uh, Luke Moorhead one of our interns ranked Rafa's 20 major victories with which of his finals re, uh, evoked his best performances. You can find those on in article form on our website or on our YouTube channel, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, putting his spin on all of it as well. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. And, you know, again, of course, for all of our web uh, content, go to our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our Super Producer, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to uh, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar go to MidwestSports.com use that promo code CR15 go to Aerobar.com use that promo code Cracked15 but with that in mind for our super producers Fliegner and Westoff our friends at Midwest Sports and DraftKings and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone